0: All I want is for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted high. If I said that was the reward, would you understand? If the reward is truly for God to be glorified, if our reward has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him, Would you still stand in line for your trophy? I think of, uh, can I get the screens back on? Can we go to uh, Haggai chapter two? I think of uh, when I played sports in high school and you put so much work in and it's the end of the season and they're cutting down the nets and you're waiting for your reward. You're You're waiting for your trophy. You're waiting for that little uh, ribbon with the gold first place sign on it and you've done so much and your expectation is that I'm going to feel fulfilled because I've worked so hard for this reward. Yes, sir. I don't know about any of you if, you if you've ever put yourself in that situation but that fulfillment it only lasted for so long. Or maybe you, you you didn't play sports, or maybe you didn't have to work very hard. Maybe you had a father or or a, a relative or someone who was just very well off, and all you had to do was ask for a reward. And just in asking that, that person was able to give you a reward. And what I what I found uh even in that is the reward still wasn't enough. It's something that would make you still ask that same person for more. God says, I have something for you that will last forever. Let's get let us get to the word. In, in, in Haggai chapter two, we're gonna go, do uh 10 through 19. It says, On December 18th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of Heaven Armies says. Ask the priest this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? The priest replied, no. Then Haggai asked, well, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, Yes. So essentially where we at so far is he says, if you got some food and it's in your pocket and then that food or your pocket touches something else, will that thing become holy because what you were sacrificing is holy? And they said no. So then he says, okay. so let's say something happens and you become unclean. If that same repeated action happens and you brush against something else, will that thing become unclean? And the priest said yes. Then Haggai responded, that is how it is with this people in this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refuse to return to me, says the Lord. Think about it. This 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I am giving you a promise now. While the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain, you have not yet harvested your grapevines. You have not yet harvested your fig trees, your pomegranates, and your olive trees. They have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, look to your neighbor and say, from this day onward. Look to your neighbor and said, God said, I will bless you. Ooh. From this day forward. Is what my version says in the easy to read version from this day forward. Last week, this said God being with us has to be enough. Yeah. He said, unite, renew, restore is the foundation that this church was built on. Uh-huh. He said that the king gave orders for the for the people of God to go forth and build onto the foundations of the temple to to create a place for worship. He said what happened was opposition came and they stopped building what God told them to build and they started to build their own thing. How many of us have stopped doing what God has told us to do and now we're finding ourselves doing our own thing. Today's message is titled The Reward. The Reward. The Reward. I um completely was finished with my message on Friday and I went down to my basement and I told myself, you know, I'll I'll get over the steps and then I'll send the steps to Jada. And I started asking God some questions and he changed my message in entirety. And what it turned into was it turned into either me being in the basement talking to myself or it turned into me being in the basement being challenged by the Holy Spirit. And God had a conversation with me, and I really just want to share that conversation with you today. For some of you, you might look at me at the end of this message and be like, well, KT, that really just didn't apply to me. Maybe that message was just for you. I don't think that to be the case, though. However, I will share with you the conversation that I had in the basement. I go back to waiting for the reward in high school, waiting for the reward as an adult. And coming to the conclusion that the reward just wasn't enough. And some of the questions that I was asking God was, one, what is faith? And two, what does it mean to be blessed? The word that you're giving me to give to the people is, from this day forward, you are going to bless us. What does that look like? Because some of us, like I said, can ask our parents for something and then our parents can give them something. And some of us would look at that something and say that that something is good. Matthew 7:11 says this. It says, you people are bad. But even as bad people... You can give good things to your children. How much more will your heavenly father who is who is in heaven, who has all things. He said it earlier when when Dish was speaking, he said he said, I can shake the heavens and the earth. I have all of the gold and silver. How much more will that God give good things to his children? But I kept saying, OK, God, but what are good things? What does it mean when you say that you will give good things to us? What do we have faith in you for? And what does it mean? What does it look like to be blessed? How many times have you been disappointed because you thought that God was going to give you something because of the fact that if he gave it to you, you would be blessed. And then you don't get it. And then your thought process is either God isn't here. He's not listening. He's not paying attention. I'm not doing something right. I'm not praying enough because I don't have this thing that will make me blessed. How many times has your relationship with God been off because you don't think that you're blessed? Think back to what Dish was saying. He said, it was a time of praise. It was a time that harvest was supposed to be there and no praise was going forth because no one felt like they were being blessed. What do I have to bless you for, God? I'm looking in front of me. There's no nothing on the olive trees. There's nothing on the pomegranates. There's nothing in the barn. All of the seeds have been laid. How should I bless you if you're not blessing me? But God said... said I'm gonna bless you it's been two months the last time you came it was two months ago and you said you were gonna shake the heaven and the earth you said you have all the gold and the silver two months has passed now you come here talking about where the seed is at and what look at the pomegranates and the olive trees I'm looking Lord there's nothing on them I still have no reason to praise you but you keep telling me from this day forward I will be blessed what does it look like to be blessed I told my children, I said, you have to stay here today because today I am about to tell you that after 37 years, God has changed my opinion of what it means to be blessed. I don't want you going from 13 and 11 to 40 thinking that this means blessed when it doesn't. My brother, my younger brother and I were at home one day. This is going to be the funniest story you've ever heard me give you and he had a sickness and, and he was his nose was running it was running real bad and we was broke can I be honest with you broke childhood so we had broke toilet tissue some of y'all don't know what broke toilet tissue is but it's real thin it's real rough you can like sand some stuff down with it it's that type of rough and we didn't have no Kleenex because we was broke we don't buy no Kleenex you wipe your nose with the tissue but when you wipe your nose with broke people tissue, eventually your nose just get irritated. So what some people who are broke do is they just roll the toilet paper up and they just put it in their nose. Because I'm not going to keep irritating my nose and I'm also not going to keep blowing it over and over again. And the Robitussin ain't working. So my brother said, I'm going to search for the thing that mom said stopped her this. Right. So we're looking through the house and he's like, look, man, I'm telling you, if I find it, it's going to stop the runniness because mom said this is what she uses when she has to stop her runniness. So we look and we look and we look and then he finds it and he puts it in his nose. And I'm like, I don't know for sure. But I think I've never seen anybody put that in their nose before. I don't even know what it is, but it don't look like the tissue that we normally use. And he said, I'm telling you. Mom uses this all the time and it stops her runniness. So we chill out, start playing the video game. We relaxing. And then my brothers come upstairs. We got two older brothers. And they're like, what is in your nose? And he was like, all I know is it stopped the runniness. So some time goes by, my mom comes into the room and she says, boy, if you don't get that tampon out your nose, what are you doing? my brother seen something that someone else used to fulfill what they needed. And he thought that if he used the same thing that someone else needed to stop their issues, that his issues would stop. Some of us have been following after people who don't follow God, Thinking that what makes them happy, what makes them blessed is going to make us blessed. But I am here to tell you today that if you thought the car made you blessed, that's what people who don't know God say makes them blessed. If you thought that the big house made you blessed, that's what people who don't know God says. That's what makes me happy. That's what brings me joy. We cannot use what other people use as the parameter of being blessed. So I began to ask God some difficult questions and it gets me to step one. I said, God, if I've been living so long, not even knowing what blessed is, then where is my faith? And he said, KT, your faith is in a pandemic. He said, you have been social distancing from faith. A pandemic is when something spreads across multiple countries and affects a large number of people. The world has affected all of the people who say that they are Christians by making us think that we need to have faith in things that are outward. And because of it, we have no faith at all. Faith is close, but it's not here. I'm not saying that this is where you are. I'm telling you this is where I was. I'm telling you about the conversation I had. I realize that the things that I'm asking you for, people have who don't know you. I'm asking you for a great job, but the atheist has the great job. Does, does he have faith? I'm asking you for a big house, but the Muslim has a big house. What, does he have faith? God said, KT, check this out. You want a good job? Get an education, man. Stop talking to me about it. Get some training. Find some resources. When they ask you, do you want their business card? Take it. Build some relationships. Learn how to interview. Do what worldly people do when they want a good job that's not where I am here for you. That's not how I'm going to bless you. That's how you can bless you, but that's not how I'm going to bless you. He says in Matthew 5, 43 through 45, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who treat you badly. If you do this, you will be children who are truly like your father in heaven. Corey said it like this. You will look like God. He lets the sun rise for all people. It says whether you're good or bad, whether you're just or unjust, he let the sun rise on you. He says the rain comes for the good and the bad. There are certain things that you can get in life, whether you're a Christian or not. And whether you get it or not, has nothing to do with whether you are blessed because he said when the sun rises, that doesn't make you look like me. When I make the sunrise on you, that doesn't make me. When I make the rain fall on you, that doesn't make you. When I give you a mansion, that doesn't make you. What makes me look like him is when I love my enemy. Oh man, I didn't think that that's what made me blessed. because I didn't know what faith consisted of. If what you have faith in can only bless you, you're not blessed. If what you have faith in only affects your life, then God didn't give it to you. If you're riding around in a Tesla, but I'm walking, then that what you have is what you gave you because it's not helping me. If what you got from God ain't blessing to both of us, then you ain't got that from God. That's right. Hebrews 10, 32 through 11, 1. It says, Remember the days when you first learned the truth? You remember when you didn't know the truth and then you learned it? For me, this was Friday. You had a struggle with much suffering but you continued strong. Sometimes people said hateful things to you. They mistreated you in public. Sometimes you helped other people who were being treated in that same exact way. It says, yes, you helped them in prison and you shared in their sufferings. You were in the same situation that they were in, but you were still helping them. And you were happy. You were blessed. You had joy when everything you owned was taken away from you. You know, the things that you said I gave you, which made you blessed. See, you were looking at this thing and you said, this is what you have given me that made me blessed. But then when this thing was removed and you couldn't see it anymore, you still said you were blessed. How? How are you still happy when everything has been taken away? Everything that the world told you is what makes you blessed in the first place. You continue to be happy. You continue to be blessed because you knew. You knew that you had something much better, something that will continue forever. Let's compare that with what it says in Haggai 14 through 19. Haggai said, this is what the Lord God said. This is also true for the people of this nation. They were not pure, holy before me. So anything they did with their hands and anything they offered at the altar became unclean. Think about what has happened to you. Same, same kind, of, kind of conversation. Think about what has happened to you. Think about how things were before you began working on the Lord's temple. Think about how you thought that you were blessed because you had these things in front of you. People wanted 20 measures of grain. But there was only 10 measures in the pile. You needed 20 measures just for your family. But when you went to the community space, there was only 10 for everybody. When you needed 50 wines of, uh, jars of wine for just your community, for just for your family, and you went to the pile, it was only 20 for everybody. Yeah. How about that? that was because I was punishing you. Oh my God. We always say, Jesus wouldn't do this to me. God wouldn't send this to me. Corey said that a silversmith has to put fire on the bottom and it brings up the impurities and then they move the impurities to the side and and, and then they boil it more so that more impurities will come up and they're going to keep this process going of tribulations and trials and I'm going to keep moving your impurities to the side until I see myself. He said... Even when I continued to do this, you didn't look like me. No matter how many times I would put the fire to the silver, no matter how many times I would test you, you still weren't pure. So your plants in the hail that was destroyed, they were destroyed by my hands. I did this. Then he says, but today. Whew. You have finished laying the foundation of the Lord's temple. So notice what happens from this day forward. Your seed for planting has already been laid. You've been looking at the vines. You've been looking at the fig trees. You've been looking at your bank account. You've been looking at your house. You've been looking at your car. You've been disappointed by everything that you've been looking at. But as you see, the man of God that is giving you the word is smiling because he says, Today, I will bless you. Some people were broke on Sunday, spoke to God on Monday. He said, I will bless you. Their circumstances on Tuesday were still the same, but they were blessed. I know that my God is not a liar. So he must be saying that I need you to have a present faith. Even if your circumstances don't change. Woo! Even if your marriage looks still today like it did yesterday when you were crying about it. I'm trying to tell you you're blessed. Even if your bank account is still in the negative, and they're starting to add more fees on. Yeah. Oh my God. Stop looking at what you're looking at. Yeah. Because I'm not blessing your outside, I'm blessing your inside. God is doing something on the inside today. We're going to define blessed as when, when God delights in you because you are glorified in him. God is saying I'm about to change you today so that I am glorified. Back in the day, very few people had money or power. But those who did were expected to serve as benefactors for those who did not. This is actually where we get the word grace, and it's actually where we get the word faith. Stay with me for a second. So the wealthy might, for instance, allow a peasant to live on their land or work for them. In sociological terms, a big, big word that Corey didn't expect for me to use today, in sociological terms, such benefactors are called patrons. Right. And the recipients are called clients. Right. In such a relationship, the exchange of favors could not be mutual because the client can't get what the patron has. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, y'all. So the patron-client relationship would form a significant back and forth backdrop in the environment that the Christians were growing up in. So the word most often used for patrons, bestowal of benefits is cherish," And this is typically translated as grace. And the term that is often used for clients, loyalty towards the patron is called faith. So what God did was he used the sociological situation that was going on in the time. And he said, you know how when you couldn't get anything, so you had to be a slave and then you had faith in the patron because the patron was the only person at that period of time that was able to bless you. I am going to take on that patron relationship, and I'm going to give you grace in the thought process that we have of grace today. And all I want in return is faith. God is saying, I'm about to give you something that you could not get on yourself, on your own otherwise. The only way that you can get what I'm going to give you is me. He says, I'm tired of you not looking like me, so I got to bless you. Smokey said it like this on Friday. We always got two things that don't match. We got Kool-Aid, no sugar. Peanut butter, no jelly. He said, ham, no burger. Christians are walking around looking mismatched and we're not looking like God. And he said, I gotta give you grace so that you can have faith. I have to give you trials so that you can become holy so that you can start to look like I look because you're walking around with money and no peace. You're walking around married, no faithfulness. You're walking around employed, no kindness. You're walking around beautiful with no self-control. You don't look like me. I said earlier, if what God blessed you with ain't blessing the both of us, then you're not blessed. God blesses us with something that's inward that affects the whole room. No one in here can show me something that they outwardly have that is affecting everybody. But I can tell you the peace of our first lady has affected everyone in this room. The long suffering, the long suffering of my wife has affected everyone in our household. The self-control of our pastor is the reason why we can sit in this room. There is something that God can give you that will make you blessed, that will affect everyone. I'm trying to tell you he wants to bless everyone today. You might have came blessed by yourself, but he wants you to leave with something that will last forever that comes only from him. I'm going to bless you with joy. I'm going to bless you with peace. I'm going to bless you with love. I'm going to bless you with patience. I'm going to bless you with kindness. I'm going to bless you with goodness. I'm going to bless you with faithfulness. I'm going to bless you with gentleness. I'm going to bless you with self-control so that you look like me, so that people are gravitated. And what? So that you can be lifted up? No, so that I can be glorified. So I said, okay, God, if your people have the reward If your people have the promise, if your people are blessed Uh already, then why does the community still look the way that it does? And he asked me, he says, well, what have you guys been doing with the resources? What have you been doing with the blessing? What have you been doing with what I promised you? (laughs) He said, (laughs) he said. I gave you tools, I gave you materials, I gave you an instruction booklet, but your wife is still complaining because what she needs done in your house hasn't been done. I gave you everything that you needed to put up the curtain rod, but the curtain rod is still on the carpet. I can't be personal. He said, in the same way, I've given the church everything that they need. But the curtain rod is still on the carpet. So the community still looks the same way. You got to remember, this wasn't a period of time of excess. Can I get that mic? you knew it was going to happen. This wasn't a period of time of excess. This was a period of time of struggle. 90% of all people in this period of time lived in poverty. 30% of Canton is in poverty right now. 30%. 90% of those people lived in poverty, right? 30% of the people in that period of time actually did not have shelter, water, or anything to eat. So if you, if you look at it, of Canton is just below poverty. 30% of their people were homeless. 90% of their people were like the below poverty people in Canton. God was starting to show me how he was giving us resources. He was blessing us and he was saying, go back and worship me, go back. And build up my church. I'm not talking about Third Street. I'm talking about the Ecclesia. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the called out community of believers. Go back to my community. With the resources that I gave. What they did was they went forth and they started to build the church. But soon as opposition came. They took the little bit of resources they had. And they stopped putting those resources towards the church. And they took those same resources and they started to build their own homes it's not that they went and got some other resources that they found like they didn't have serena write a grant and then use the grant and use the funding from that to go and build no they use what god gave them to build their own houses and build up their own thing and build up their own wealth and build up their own pride and so that they could say I'm blessed. What they did was they detached themselves from God. He said, I gave you love so that it would be attached to hate. I gave you joy so that it would be attached to misery. I gave you peace so that it would be attached to confliction. I gave you patience. I gave you long suffering so it would be attached to worry so that it would be attached to suicidal thoughts. He said, I gave you kindness so that it would be attached to the disrespect. We are complaining about the community in the same way that my wife would complain about the rod. But we have all the tools, the materials, and the instructions to fix the community. What we have to stop doing is using those resources for our own benefit. As the choir comes up, I'm going to wrap this up. As I said, the problem is we have attached ourselves to things outside of the kingdom. And the only way that we can detach ourselves from those same things is if the Father is present. My mom was at our house like two weeks ago. And Caleb was with her. And I wasn't there. And Caleb kept telling her she couldn't leave. He attached himself to her, Right? She kept saying, like, I got to go. I got to go. He kept saying, no, Mina, you got to stay. Mm-hmm. My mom said that as soon as I got there and I walked in the room, she said, OK, Caleb, I'm going to leave. And he said, OK, Mina, I'll talk to you later. Right. He was able to detach himself from that which he was attached to because the father was present. Some of us are having trouble detaching ourselves from the things that we have naturally attached ourselves to because the father isn't present. And we believe that since we go to church, he is. I can tell that we have an issue with being detached because there's no connection to our pain. I heard it said like this. If I slam my finger in a door, If I slam my finger in the door, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to grab it with this hand. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to scream. Depending on whether my kids is there. And if my wife is present, I might cuss. I'm going to jump up and down. I'm going to stomp. I'm going to react with everything in my body. But the only thing that was hurt is my hand. The body is supposed to react to pain. There's so many different people in this room right now that are in pain. But my question is, who's grabbing them? Who's, who's shouting for them? Who's crying on their behalf? If we don't recognize the pain in this church, how are we going to recognize the pain in the community? If we're not attached as a body as Third Street, how can we be attached as a body in the community? We have to first be able to so connect ourselves in huddle, in church service, in everything that our pastor gives us. Every time we put something on this screen, we need to be together because that's the only way that we're going to connect as a body. And once we connect as a body in here, then we can go out and connect as a body in our community. the people that I am talking to that are in pain some of you are trying to connect to something else and the last thing that I will tell you is if the people that you're connected to outside of this house don't recognize that you're in pain then you have to detach yourself from them because If I put my hand over a fire and the rest of the body doesn't recognize that this is burning, all you're going to do is cause more damage. Today, God said two things. I said a lot, but he said two things. From this day forward, you will be blessed. I don't know how many people have went through life unblessed tearful nights crying yourself to sleep the Bible says it like this when tears are the only thing that you taste can't stomach food so the only things that are rolling into your mouth is the tears from your brokenness God said, I have peace for you today. The thing that has you crying is not going to bless you. Oh, my God, I can't understand if, you, if, if anybody else can understand what I'm saying. The thing that has you emotional, it can't bless you in the first place. You can't find any happiness, any any joy, any peace in the thing that has you angry in the first place. Forget about it and start thinking about him and him alone. Shh, uh, Dish said it last week, he has to be enough. He's not trying to make us look like LeBron James. He's not LeBron James, I heard it. He's not trying to make you look like Steve Jobs. He's not trying to make you look like Einstein. He's not trying to make you look like whoever it is that you look up to in marriage relationships. He's trying to make you look like him.